Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, SFFYA listeners, and welcome to Backlist to the Future, our bi-weekly installment of recommendations from the deep and sometimes dusty corners of science fiction and fantasy. Because one show every two weeks is just not enough to cover all the books we want to talk about. I'm Sharifa Williams, recording on December 6th, and today we're going to talk about nostalgic science fiction and fantasy. But before we do, I'm going to tell you about our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Obsidian Detective by Michael Anderley. Two rebels whose worlds collide on a planetary level. On the fringes of human space, a murder will light a fuse and send two different people colliding together. She lives on Earth, where peace among the population is a given. He's on the fringe of society, where authority is how much firepower you wield. She's from the powerful, the elite. He's with the military. Both want the truth, but is revealing the truth good for society. Two years ago, a small moon in a far-off system was set to be the location of the first intergalactic war between humans and an alien race. It never happened. However, something was found many are willing to kill to keep a secret. Now they've killed the wrong people. How many will need to die to keep the truth hidden? As many as is needed. Thank you to Obsidian Detective by Michael Anderley for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, let's talk about nostalgic science fiction and fantasy. Every time the holidays roll around, I start to think about how I would spend those holidays in a corner, getting warm and cozy, usually by a fireplace, reading something that is really compelling and lets me escape from, you know, the holiday drama and also just to get cozy in general. The holidays are for getting cozy. I think we all agree on that. And so I was thinking about some of my childhood reads because I don't do as much of that sort of reading these days because, you know, books are my work. So I'm reading a lot of books that are for things like podcasts and stuff like that. So um, I I love to think about the books I used to enjoy reading during the holidays, and maybe I'll even try to pick one up this year just to like have a throwback moment to go back in time and just feel that same sense of coziness. And one of the books that I thought about for fantasy in particular is this collection of folktales I grew up with as a kid and that I picked up numerous times in my childhood and I've probably read it, I don't know, I, I don't even know if I could count how many times I've read it because we used to have it as a library book, my sister and I, and it took us a really long time to return it and then we had a copy of our own and the book is The People Could Fly, American Black Folk Tales Told by Virginia Hamilton 
and illustrated by Leo and Diane Dillon. So this is definitely a kid's book. There are some amazing illustrations. I think, you know, if you were a black kid growing up in a certain time, maybe even now, I'm just not as tuned into what kids are reading these days, but The People Could Fly was this sort of ubiquitous book that a lot of kids had and grew up with. And these illustrations were really, like I look at the cover of The People Could Fly and it brings back a flood of memories and all of the illustrations by Leo and Diane Dillon who illustrated I think a few books by Virginia Hamilton and others of course they're so familiar there's just something about them they're so the style is so specific that it just makes me relive a lot of my childhood memories so the people could fly as you might have been able to tell from the title is a collection of American black folk tales. So a lot of these stories might be even familiar to people who have never come across this book because they are in the folktale tradition. If, you know, you grew up in America, you might have heard some of the stories and you might not have even known that they came from, you know, African American folk tales. For instance, Br'er Rabbit. Um, a lot of these sort of fable, folktale stories. So there's a, a collection of animal tales that includes the Burr Rabbit story. And there are also tales about the real extravagant and fanciful, which I think is just a great a great way to describe this collection of stories that also has the header, The Beautiful Girl of the Moon Tower. So they're sort of like takes on these main stories that have this fairy tale element where it's like the basic, you know, you have your skeleton story and then there are all sorts of variations on that story. It's very particular to fairy tales and folk tales and stories from oral traditions where there are just going to naturally be variations. And then there's a collection about tales of the supernatural in here. And then there are, of course, slave tales of freedom. And I know that this may seem strange, but when I read The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead, this that story and the way it was told and the way there were supernatural elements or speculative i guess i should say speculative elements in the underground railroad that reminded me a lot of the people could fly and i think it's just this sort of american black folktale tradition where there were a lot of stories about you know, slaves in the American South and either supernatural elements that happened in the stories of these slaves and, and stories about slaves escaping, where it was almost like this fantasy of what that would be like, what that would look like, how much it would take for that to happen. And I remember as a kid, while I didn't necessarily understand everything about slavery and that time in American history, this was my introduction, and I I was obsessed with these stories. I just thought they were amazing, and they were a really great entry into talking about 
black people in America and the history of African Americans. And also for me to get, you know, I still, I loved fantasy. I've loved fantasy since I was a kid. So I also got that out of it. And these stories were definitely a huge part of my childhood. So I would definitely pick that up. I think whether you're a kid or an adult, you will appreciate these stories and you'll appreciate for sure the illustrations because they're amazing. And Virginia Hamilton is such a prolific writer. If you look her up, you'll see so, so many titles and her books generally were a big part of my history growing up. And for my science fiction, so when I was a kid, I did not read as much science fiction as I read fantasy, but one of the big (laughs) impactful science fiction books of my youth was Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. I think everybody knows Jurassic Park. Like, it was this huge movie when I was a kid. I think when it came out, I was in... Like I might I might have been in early high school or junior high. And we watched the movie in class. Like it was that big a deal. I think in like biology. And nowadays, like, you know, of course, much to the irritation of everyone who knows me, I will take every opportunity to sing that theme song, floating down, you know, a river in a raft, hiking the gorge, wandering New Zealand. Every outdoor occasion calls for that theme song, as far as I'm concerned. And so when I read Jurassic Park, I remember I had actually read Andromeda Strain in high school, I think as part of required reading. And that was the first time I was like, wow, I can, I actually can get into some science fiction, like, and usually science fiction books that were assigned were really bleak. And, you know, Michael Crichton books are, of course, page turners. And this was one of the first page turner books I came across. So of course, I I don't know who you are out there who does not know Jurassic Park, but I will tell you a little bit about it just in case. So this is the story about a team that goes to this island where there's this DNA experiment happening where they're able to clone and bring dinosaurs back. And first of all, why? Who thinks that humans need dinosaurs? I get, you know, this is for an amusement park. We would do anything for money. And businesses would do a lot for money. So I don't know why I'm acting surprised that this would be a trope. But so this is the story of these dinosaurs being cloned and this team who comes to test it out. And of course, Everything goes wrong. As you can imagine, dinosaurs and humans do not mix. So I loved the movie when I saw it. And I I remember actually picking up this book at Barnes & Noble in Old Town, Pasadena. And I didn't have any, you know, I would go into the bookstore back then and just kind of wander around and let a book cover or a blurb speak to me. I would never go in with a plan. And I remember picking up Jurassic Park and I was like, there's no way that this book is going to be better than the movie because the movie was so, it was just so powerful, especially because it it went into really new territory with cinema 
And I just thought it was like the freshest thing on earth. So I picked up this book anyway because I remembered uh, my experience reading Andromeda Strain. And I could not put it down. I could not put it down. And this is definitely the first time I realized that a book could be as cinematic as a movie because I, up until that time, and I mean, even now, I was really into high fantasy. Like that was my world. That was what I read. I was into the world building and things did, weren't as fast paced necessarily in those books. So I I didn't realize what was out there. I didn't realize there was this whole other world of like books you cannot put down and books that, you know, don't go into huge detail, which I still love, but there's always room for a page turner where I've been sort of historically ambivalent about the logic that, you know, the book is always better than the movie because that hasn't always been true for me. I have come across, you know, movies that were better than the books. This is the first time where I was like, you know what? I love Jurassic Park, the movie so much, but the book was so good it was, it just kind of like, it was just a little bit better because I had more time to sit with it and I had more time to like enjoy it, I guess. It was such a fun and pleasurable read. It seemed like it was going to be this big book and a long slog. And because I already had this vision of what science fiction looked like from a signed reading, I thought that it would be a little bit bleak and dreary and stark. And of course, as you probably know, it 100% was not. So I just love Jurassic Park so much. And I always in my head want to have a reread of that book. And I think the holidays are a perfect time because often you're sitting around a lot, you know, whether you're hanging out with the family or just you have a lot of time off. It's great to sort of pick up a a big book that'll make you feel really satisfied when you get to the end of it, but that you will also not be able to put down anyway. So you'll get to the end really quickly. And I think that's the case for Jurassic Park. So again, that was Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. And the first book I was talking about was The People Could Fly by Virginia Hamilton. I would definitely give both of those books a look for some maybe not for you nostalgic reads, but just generally wonderful reads that I think will also be perfect for the holidays. And that's it for this backlist episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, you can, of course, as usual, email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Please do review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us. And we love to hear what you think about the show. You can find me online on Instagram at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And until next time, happy reading, everyone. Bye.